right, so 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to continue our uh, One Month to Live series. And this is, this is our fifth week of the series. And uh, if you've been following along in the book, um, you may know what the, the subject is. And we're going to unpack it more in our small groups on Tuesday. But we're going to talk about leaving boldly. Leaving boldly, finishing strong. Um, have you guys ever had someone who uh, maybe an employee that worked for you or a coworker who they knew their end was coming and they decided that they were just going to pitter out, right? I'm not going to, I'm not going to give it all. I'm just going to kind of let, let it fade away. And, and then what happens when they leave is what you remember is what they left you with, right? Or someone who quits unexpectedly and then they, they dropped everything on your shoulders. You may not, all of a sudden, everything that they did beforehand is overshadowed by what they did right there at the end, Right? We may have um, encountered people like this, and, and there's someone who, who had a revelation in his life. In, in 1888, Alfred Nobel, we all recognize the name Nobel, right? Nobel, the, he was a Swedish chemist. You know how he made his fortune? He made his fortune with dynamite, producing dynamite. And one day he was reading the newspaper, and he saw his own obituary right in front of him. His brother had just died, but the newspaper got the two names mixed up. And printed was his obituary, and it read, The merchant of death is dead. And it went on to describe a man who had become wealthy by inventing something that helped kill people. When he read this, uh, he was shaken to the core. He saw his appraisal of his life, and he realized he was going to be remembered for a merchant of death. And he made a vow at that moment. He said, For the rest of my time on earth, I'm going to use every bit I have to change my legacy. Eight years later, when he died, he had given over $9 million to fund awards to help people who were benefiting humanity, and now we know those as the Nobel Prize. It's not known so much for the inventor of dynamite, but known for, for what people are doing to better humanity and, and, and uh, create opportunities and better the lives of the world. So he is now known not as the merchant of death, but a merchant of life. But he had this amazing experience. He got to read his obituary. We don't get to do that these days. This comes out afterwards, but he read it, and it changed everything for him. It changed his life. It changed how he invested his time. It changed how he invested his money, and it changed his focus onto the things that matter. So as we dive into today, I think we're going to unpack how do we focus on things that matter? What is our legacy going to be when we leave? What, what are the things that we do now? How are they going to affect eternity for us and for people left behind? So would you pray with me this morning as we dive into this together? God, I thank you for today. I thank you that we get to dive into your word. I thank you that we get to talk about um, how to leave boldly, God, how to live life to the fullest with the time you've given us. And I pray that as we, as we leave here today, we all understand, God, that you've given us a big call. You've given us a big mission, and we get to live it fullest to every single day. We thank you, love you, and everybody said, amen. So I think God has placed in all of our hearts this desire to live life fully. Now, the direction you take that may be different depending on who you are, but we all this life to, to, we all desire to do something that will outlast us. But the problem is we get distracted by the world. The world throws so much at us, you know, whether it's commercials, social media, uh, the, the internet, just, or just advertisements. Everywhere you, you drive down the street, the roads are just advertisements, right? The world bombards us with everything. And we want to do so much, but our time here on earth is limited. Now, when I say time is limited, I'm going to give you guys a statement, probably the most uplifting statement you'll hear all week. Are you guys ready? You're dying. Right? Some of you are like, I came to church to hear that. Great. Thank you, Pastor. But, but that's the truth, right? I mean, ev every day is one step closer to our ending date here on earth. Now, when you hear that, you think, that's not exciting. That's not encouraging. Thank you for building me up today. I'm ready to go. 
But, but I, I want you to see that this can be a very powerful, powerfully encouraging statement depending on how you take it when you leave this room. If you knew you were dying, what are your next steps? What are you going to do? Uh, Pope Paul VI said it this way. Somebody should tell us right at the start of our lives that we are dying. Then we might have, we might live life to the lit, sorry, then we might live life to the limit every minute of every day. Only when we face the truth that our life on earth is limited do we get to live our life to the absolute limit that we can. Instead of letting that paralyze us with fear or doubts and insecurity, it should liberate us to really live, to leave nothing behind, to give it our absolute best and stop waiting, to do it right away. And that this one-month challenge that we've been doing for this past uh, month now is really all about that. It's all about living. Not about focusing on the death, but focusing on what do I get to do before I die. And, and Lord willing, we're all going to live many more years, years and decades to come. But if we live each month as it's our last, we're going to be more alive than ever for whatever time we do have left here on earth. And I know for me, this is, uh, I'm, I'm working on turning this into a lifestyle. When, when I wake up and I read the next chapter of the book, I think, all right, God, what do I get to apply today? What one thing can I change today to really go forward with this one month to live mindset? What decision would I make? What would I do? Why would I do that? Would I say yes to this or no to this? And it's helped give me clarity on a lot of things, a lot of very important things. Um, I'm saying yes to my kids a lot more, not frivolously. They're not eating candy for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and they're not going crazy. But, but little things, I think I shared that, um, I know I shared it in Bible study, that my daughter one day before I started this asked me, she said, Daddy, will you walk with me to the bus today? And I was running a little behind at home, and I said, actually, I can't walk you to the bus today, but all your friends are here, go with them. And then I read this chapter about living, you know, if you had one month left to live. Man, if I had one month left to live, I'd walk my, bus, my daughter to the bus every day. I wouldn't pass up on these opportunities. So it's really shifted how, how I make decisions. And we're, we're getting close to the end of the series. But, um, but I, what I want us to really understand is that when we get to the end of the series, that doesn't mean we stop. It doesn't mean the principles are over. It means we just get to keep going. Take everything we applied and keep running with it. So that's, that's my hope for you guys that are part of the small groups, or even if you're not part of the small groups. I know there's a handful of you that are reading the book and then watching some of the videos that, I, that I've emailed out because you can't make the small groups on Tuesdays. But I hope that you continue to live it each and every day. Now, the four principles we've been looking on, the four principles the book gives us are these. It says live passionately, love completely, learn humbly, and leave boldly. And today we're going to focus on that last one. How do we leave boldly? How do, we, how do we humble ourselves, receive God's power to do something with our one and only life that outlasts us and leave this earth boldly? So 1 Corinthians 3 says this. But each one of you should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Now, now, what I want you to see in this passage, it's, it's talking about the, the day of judgment, as we call it in Scripture. And, and Christ followers, you may have heard this, you knowing that, that there's, it says, judge not, lest ye be judged, and that Jesus is the judge. And it comes, it's really boiling down to, there's going to be a time where everybody stands before Jesus. When our time here on earth is done, we stand before the throne. And this Scripture is talking about two different judgments. The first judgment is for all the people who have rejected Christ. This is referred to in scripture as the great white throne of judgment. Everyone who's rejected Christ stands before him, and the things that they have kept hidden in life, you know what happens? 
You might as well have two big screens, bigger than this right there, where God says, hey, here's all the things in life that you've done. Here's the times you've rejected me. Here's the times where you said my way is better than your way. Here's the times where you have stepped away from what I wanted for you. And it's like it's displayed for him to see. Now, now when you see those, that's, it's like someone, someone looking at those would be someone maybe saying, like, yeah, I did that. Nobody knew I did that, but now everybody knows I did that. Everybody sees. My life is out there. Can you imagine all of your actions and then all of a sudden all of your thoughts, everything you've ever thought, imagined, done, just on display right there to watch? It can be, it can be a, a nerve-wracking experience, right? It, it can be kind of crazy. And, and for people that rejected Christ, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. And what I don't want, what I don't want you guys right now is to break out into a cold sweat going, oh, my gosh. I'm going to stand before Jesus, and this is, oh, it's going to hit the fan. It, it, is, it is over right now. Because for those of us who have received Jesus, what we see displayed instead of sin, what we see displayed is Jesus. We see the atonement for our sin. We see the one who paid the price for us. He has already covered this. <clears throat> now, we get to skip the part where he says, you messed up, you messed up, you messed up. I don't know you. He says, welcome my good and faithful servant. He paid the price. That's what we get to see on the screen. But there is something else for believers, and this is what's called the judgment seat of Christ. This is where Jesus says, it's not whether or not you get into heaven, because when we receive Jesus, that, bought, that price is already paid. We are in. We get to spend eternity with him. But what we do get to see is when God says, hey, here's what I have for you. This is not a sin test. This is a service test. This is where the question is, what did you do with your one and only life? What did you bring that's going to last? Every moment of every day you're building, there, there's questions like this. Will it last for eternity or will it go up in smoke? And that's what we get to look at Jesus with. He gets to say, here's the opportunities I had for you. Did you do this? Did you do what I called you to do? I wanna, now, I know that for me, for us, I want to be able to stand there and have God say, welcome my good and faithful servant. Look at what you did. This is awesome. You did it. You lived your life. You did, you did what I called you to do. Were there bumps along the way? Yes, we all have bumps, but you lived your life the way I called you to live it. And I don't want to live my life thinking, I'm going to stand before God, I'm going to stand before God. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I want to live my life honestly where I go, I get to stand before God. I can stand before God and say, God, look at what we did. Look at what we got to do. Look at what we did in your name. This is so awesome. And that's what I hope when we live this lifestyle, this, this one month to live, that's the excitement we get to have. We know that when our time here is over, that's, this, that's just the first part of it. Then we have eternity with Jesus, and it is exciting and worshipful and incredible. And we get to be excited to stand with him and say, look what we did. So how do we build these things? How do we build this life that lasts, right? How, how, do, we, how do we do things now that are going to affect eternity? And there, there's a few things that I, I want to look at as we break down this passage. And the first is this. If you want to leave with a bold legacy, a bold legacy comes from the convictions in my life. A bold legacy is going to come from convictions in my life, right? Now, 1 Corinthians 3.10, it said this, but each one should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. There's only one foundation you can build your life on that's eternal. Only one thing, and that is the foundation of Jesus. If your foundation in your life is uncertain and unreliable, what's going to happen when the earthquake comes? Now, if I said that in California, people actually, you know, we brace for earthquakes because they were normal. But the earthquake of life, when that comes, if you don't have a strong foundation, what happens in your life when, when the world hits, when the earthquake comes, things can crumble. Things fall apart, and, and the life seems to just collapse, right? 
It's the same in a marriage relationship, right? If your marriage is not built on the foundation of Christ, when the storms of life hits, and they will, every marriage goes through its storms and its trials. And what happens if your foundation is not in Christ in your marriage? Man, when those trials hit, marriage can be torn apart. Trials hit, and if you're not coming back to Jesus, it can just get hurt. The storm, the winds of change, the, 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 the rains of culture comes in. And it can either tear you apart or it can grow you closer together. When your foundation is in Christ, it'll grow you closer together. But there's only, only one way to really test a foundation. And you know what that is, right? To have that earthquake hit it. The only way you're going to know your foundation is strong is when you go through those storms. When, when those trials hit you, and like I said, they hit every single one of us. But that's when your foundation is tested. That's when you really get to see, is this strong or do I need to make some shifting? Am I really focused on God or am I focused on me? Am I focused on the eternal things or the material things? When the storm hits, that's when you'll know. And a conviction is a foundational truth that you're willing to put not just your life on, but all of eternity on. It's a source of a lasting legacy. And convictions, I know my convictions personally, they don't just come from things of the world. They come from God's word. Scripture says this in Isaiah 40 verse 8. It says, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. What better place to make a conviction on something that will stand forever? If you have something that was true a thousand years ago, it's true today, it's true a thousand years from now, what better place to say, this is what I'm going to put my convictions in. This is where I'm going to pull my convictions from, right? It will they will never break. The word of God will stand forever. It has stood the test of time, and it will continue to stand the test of time. I think a lot of people today, we may, don't, we may not have convictions. We may have some priorities and preferences, but we may not have convictions. And the problem is if we don't have a conviction, we just kind of go with, go with the flow, go with what the world says is okay, go with what the changing culture may say is okay, where our conviction will allow us to set the culture, to stand strong in the midst of a changing culture. And believe me, there will be a day where our convictions will help us make big, hard decisions. Do you have any core convictions from God? My question for you this morning, do you have a core conviction from God or multiple that you say, this will never change? And I do have some that, that I want to share with you today that I believe personally and I believe here as a church. Some of my convictions, because I believe the word of God says this. One, we believe life is short. Believe life is short. Our days are counting down. We've got to make our days count. In the grand scheme of eternity, our time here on earth, this is the shortest amount of time we will spend anywhere. We've got, Lord willing, a century, right? We, we get to the century mark. And that's just a blip in eternity in heaven. Life is short. I believe eternity is long. And I believe that we were made for eternity. We were not made for a temporary life here. We were made to be in community with Jesus for eternity. One day our hearts will stop beating. One day we'll stop breathing. But you, the, the real you, your soul, it will live on. It will be in eternity with Jesus because we were made to be with him. And really, we're in eternity now. We're just on one side of eternity. We're on the side where we're going to spend 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years. But the other side is 100 trillion years, and that's just the beginning, right, of, of that eternity. That's just to, to put a glimpse in your mind of what eternity means. And it's hard for us to grasp that because we're so constricted to time. And we get distracted by life. And, and we get to think that we're going to be here forever if we don't prepare for eternity. Eternity is long. We believe heaven and hell are real places. Heaven and hell are real places. I believe life is short. Eternity is long. Heaven and hell are real. 
just as real as we, this auditorium we're standing in, this, this sanctuary right now. Heaven's a real place. Hell is a real place. And our job is to prepare ourselves for eternity in heaven and to make sure we are preparing people to not go to hell. I've said it before. I, my mission, what God's called me to do, is be a part of depopulating Satan's zip code. Let's get them out of there. Let's show them eternity in heaven and how it's so much better than the alternative. And one of the most important things, I believe grace is available for everyone. Absolutely everyone. John 3, 16, the most famous verse in all of scripture. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Note that word, whoever. Whoever believes in him. This is one of the most beautiful words in all of scripture to me. This means God's grace is not just for the rich. God's grace is not just for someone whose socioeconomic level is above everybody else's. God's grace is for the rich and the poor. God's grace is for everyone. He's, he's not just for people that have that social status or some amazing talent. And I watch America's Got Talent, and that there are some people with some crazy talents. But it's not just for people with amazing talents. It's for everyone. Ordinary people like, like me. Jesus died for everyone. He died for every race. He died for every nationality. All the people in, in South, Southeast Asia, all the way spanning across to, to the Pacific Northwest here, Jesus died for all of them. Jesus died for, for the prostitutes. He died for the homeless. He died for the pimps. He died for the preachers, the politicians, the presidents, Seahawks and Niners fans alike, Republicans and Democrats, independents, libertarians. Jesus died for the beggars. Jesus died for the billionaires, the doctors, the drug addicts. Fill in whatever line you want right there. Jesus died for them too, every single one. He died for the homeless people, the workforce, the stay-at-home dads, the stay-at-home moms, the working dads, the working moms. Fill in the blank. The ground level of the, the ground at the cross is level ground. It applies to all. I praise God that it doesn't say if you have certain credentials, if you have certain success, if you have this, then Jesus died for you. I love that it says whoever believes receives his grace. It's available for all of us. And I also believe that life here is preparation for eternity. What we do here is our preparation for eternity with Jesus. This is important because if, if we don't understand this, I think we're going to get really frustrated in life. Really frustrated with the curveballs life throws at us. Really frustrated with our situations because we're not going to know what's happening most of the time. Like, why is this happening? What is going on? We've sure asked those questions frequently. <laughs> why is this happening? Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to us? But when we know that this is preparation for eternity, things can, things can become a little clearer. Stress seems to go away a little bit, but it can really bog you down if you don't understand this. C.S. Lewis put it this way. If you think of this world as a place intended simply for our happiness, you'll find it quite intolerable. Instead, think of it as a place for training and correction. Then it's not so bad. If you think you're here on this earth just for your own unhappiness, you know what's going to happen? Or your own happiness? You're going to be really unhappy. You're going to be really, really unhappy. But when you believe that life is preparation for something bigger, life is preparation for that eternity we spend with Jesus, then things start to make a little bit more sense. God cares about your character. Your character is eternal. He builds our character here on earth because that's what translates with us into eternity. I think he uses the fire of problems. He uses pain. He uses a lot of the things we go through to burn away all the things of our character that don't look like Jesus and shape us to be more like his son. He's making us more like Jesus with every trial. Michelangelo, the great, not the Ninja Turtle, but the great artist and sculptor of the Renaissance. He sculpted David. 
He sculpted his muscles. He sculpted his veins. And it is just a crazy sculpture. And when he was asked, they, they asked him, Michelangelo, how did you get such a clear picture of David? How did you do this? You know what his reply was? I just chipped away anything that didn't look like David. It seems kind of cocky, right? <laughs> but, but in the same vein, that, that's what God does for us. When, when we go through fires and, and trials and problems, you know what God gets to do? He gets to chip away anything that doesn't look like Jesus. He gets to chip away all the things, all the, all the things that we say, this is more of me and less of him. God says, I get to chip that away now. I get to shape you. I get to mold you. You know what happens in that molding? It hurts. Sometimes I feel like in my life, God's not using a chisel. He took a jackhammer. I was like, let's get rid of that right there. Now we're moving this. Sledgehammer time, Dustin. Boom. And it hurts. But it's always better. Every single time it's better. He's preparing me for eternity. He's preparing us for eternity. Life on earth, this is, this is, like, this is like preparation for the test. This is, this is the test we're going through. And then we get to stand before Jesus and see everything we've done. And we get to say, when we live life to the fullest, when we do these things, when Jesus says, you did it. You did it. Welcome home. You know, there are two things that you can't do in heaven. There are two things you can't do in heaven. The first one is sin. You can't sin in heaven. There's no desire for it. It's gone. Sin is, is it's an earthly thing. And some of you may be saying, well, I guess I better do that now then get it out of the way. No, don't do that. But, but know that we're preparing ourselves for that time in heaven. You can't sin up there. You'll have no desire to sin in heaven. You will be with Jesus. We get to praise God. The second thing we cannot do in heaven, you cannot share your faith with a non-believer in heaven. You can't do it because we're already all believers. We're already all there. This is the chance we get. This life on earth, this opportunity we have right now, this is the chance we get to go tell people about Jesus, to live our lives, to show people there's more than just the world. There's something else bigger. There's something else better, and he loves them more than anything. This is our chance. We don't get to do it after we go to heaven. This is our opportunity. We get to ask ourselves, are we doing this now? Are we bringing hope to those who are hurting? Are we being Jesus to people? Are we showing the love of Jesus to people, everyone that we meet, to everyone, everywhere that we go? Are we being what Christians means? Are we being little Christs? Matthew 28, 18 to 20 says this. This is the Great Commission. This is the last thing Jesus said before he went into heaven. And this is, this is the mission of Celebration Church. If you wonder, what does Celebration Church want to do? This is it. Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. That's what we do. That's what we want to do. We want to show people Jesus. We want to show them who he was, create disciples, bring, show people there is eternal life. Jesus said, I'm going into heaven. I'm leaving you now, but I'm, I'm going to leave you my presence. My Holy Spirit's going to be with you and in you. You're going to be my hands and feet to the hurting. You are going to go. I want you to go to the nations all over the world, share the good news, show that my grace is available for everyone. This is the legacy you need to leave, a legacy that points to him. He says, I'm going to give you all authority to do that. I'm going to give you the power and strength to do it. And that's pretty amazing. To know that God has given us his blessing to do this, to say, I will give you everything you need to be my hands, to be my feet, to be my love to everyone. He supplies it. That encourages me. Why do we do what we do? Some people ask us this. Uh, I, I get this question every now and then. Why do we do what we do? Why do we do trunk or treat? Halloween is a, a pagan holiday, if it's even really a holiday. You know, there's a, why do we do this? Why do we do trunk or treat? But then beyond that, why do we spend money? Why do we send people to Mexico? 
Why do we go invest thousands of dollars into a family down across the border? Why do we send money to Liberia? Why do we send money and support people in Ukraine? Why do we reach out to our neighbors and say, how can we pray for you? Why do we give money to the poorest of the poor? Why do we ask for supplies for, for families to have food? Why do we gather resources for babies? Why do we do these things? You know the reason we do these things? God told us to. God tells us to. He said, go make a lasting impact. Go love people. God tells us to do more than just for ourselves. He says, go out to the world. Show the world that I love them. And I'm so blessed to be part of a community that does this. <clears throat> when we start doing what God tells us to do, showing the love of Jesus, sharing the love of Jesus to our neighbors, to next door, around the world, then we find fulfillment in life and we do something that makes a difference for all eternity. Not just here on earth, but it makes an eternity impact. A bold legacy is expressed by the contribution of my life in our lives. What we do is what we do in our lives, this is a contribution into our legacy, right? <clears throat> I want us to see that not only does a legacy come out of my convictions, but it's expressed by the contribution of my life. A bold legacy <clears throat> is expressed by what we do. If what, I, if what I believe doesn't really affect the way I live, then guess what? Then I don't really believe it. If what I believe doesn't affect the way I live, then I don't believe it. 1 Corinthians 3, 12 and 13 says, If any man builds this foundation on gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. You see, that's the reason God is allowing these fires and pressures and problems into our, into our lives on this earth, to give us clarity on what is going to be fireproof once we get into heaven. What I want you to do quickly is I, I want to play a video. Um, this is a woman named Michelle. Michelle is a member of Woodlands Church, uh, the church that Pastor Carey, who wrote this book that we're doing the study on, came from. And um, she went through this one-month-to-live challenge in a way that um, I know would rock most of our, it would rock my world. So, so check out this video and see what happened in Michelle's life. Now, uh, Michelle went in for her three-month checkup, and guess what they found? She is cancer-free. That, that's a powerful story. But, but how, how cool is it that, that she was able to, to look at priorities in her life, and everything in her life changed and shifted, right, when she thought she had a very limited time left, and now she's cancer-free. But, um, but if you look more into her story, and you can find it on, on the Woodlands Church website, uh, she takes these principles, and she lives them every day now. That started her one month to live, and now it's her one life to live sort of principle. And it's, it's a really, really cool story. <clears throat> something that, that she talked about, and I think something else that we learn in Scripture with this, is that if, if we're going to leave a bold legacy, if we're going to lay it all on the line, then we need to risk it all with nothing to lose. Risk it all with nothing to lose. Realize we, we really do have, have nothing to lose, but let's make our bold contribution. Um, Steve Jobs said this, Remembering that you're going to die is the best way I know to avoid the trap of thinking you have something to lose. Remembering you're going to die is the best way to know I, to avoid the trap of thinking you have something to lose. I mean, if you really knew you had one month to live, you would look at everything with a different perspective. Everything shifts. Many of the things now would, it, that we say are important would instantly be not important. The things that we were putting off would become priority. Everything would shift. We'd have clarity. Things would be able, we'd be able to see things so clear. And I think one of the things we wouldn't risk to hesitate is our heart. We'd be able to put it out all on the line. 
And if, if you didn't have an oh wow moment in the last month of your life, you certainly will five seconds after we pass away and we're standing right in front of Jesus, right? We'll have that oh wow moment. If we're, if we're a Christ follower, we have Jesus in our lives, we've received his forgiveness, we'll be blown away with this indescribable eternity we get to live in. But we'll also have clarity of all the opportunities that we didn't take, the opportunities we let slip by, the, the moments where we said, man, I could have done this, I could have shared, I could have been bold, I could have, I could have laid it on the line there. And if we don't realize it now, I don't want us to wait till we only have one month to live. I want us to look at these opportunities we have and know that this is preparation for that eternity. So the, the, the big point is this then, right? Why wait? Why wait? We don't need to wait till we have one month left on earth. We don't need to wait until we get a, a terminal diagnosis. We can do it all right now. And what I don't want is I don't want somebody, I don't want when you guys get to heaven and Jesus says, hey, here, I don't, go, I don't want you guys to go, dang it, my, Pastor Dustin should have told me this. I wish Pastor would have said that. I wish Pastor would have told me this. I, I want, want you to say, man, I did it. I, I gave it all on the line. Not just because Pastor gave a, a sermon, you know, probably the best sermon I ever heard in my life on this, but, but, but because the Bible said these things. Because God put it on my heart to do these things. And when you hear those things, that's what fuels you to live all out for God. <clears throat> a lot of those things take time. A lot of those things take resources. We, we, I mean, often in, in church we talk about raising money or giving to different things, and, and a lot of the things that we talk about, it's not just for this place. It's so we can have an eternity kingdom, an eternal impact to make a difference. Everything we do with our stuff, this all plays into eternity. On, only a few things are eternal, right? Material things here on earth, you know what that is? That is not eternal. Stuff here on earth, this is temporary. The things we spend our money on, the things we send our time and energy on, a lot of the, the fun stuff we do, and I'm not saying don't have fun. I love to have fun. But, but we, you know, we, we have houses and cars, important things that we need, but a lot of this stuff that we all of a sudden put at the very, very, very top of our list that we say is the priority, none of those things go to eternity with us. Those things stay here. Those are not fireproof. Our achievements are temporary. Our accomplishments are temporary. The, the ribbons we got playing sports and the trophies and some of the plaques on our walls, those are temporary things. Success here on earth, as we, as we define success for most people, is temporary. But, but when you talk with someone who's in the last, my, the last month of their life, the people that have this clarity, suddenly those temporary things that, that, that we, we even to this day will say, look what I did, look what I did. You know what they say about those things? That doesn't matter anymore. The relationships are what matters. The people I'm talking with, this is what matters. What are the things that are eternal? Our character, that's eternal. Relationship, that's eternal. Relationship with God and with the people around us. People with Jesus, and we get to live on for eternity. The, the, the energy, the time, the resources we spend, the talent that, that, that we use to, to point people to Jesus, that is eternal. Pointing people to the love of Jesus, that will last forever. And after we do that, <clears throat> Then we get to give it all with everything to gain. Risk it all with nothing to lose, then give it all with everything to gain. I mean, if I give it all with everything to gain, then we've got nothing to lose, then, then we understand that. All we can do is gain. All we can do is gain relationships, gain, gain uh, the ability to share love, the love of Jesus with people. Jesus puts it this way in Matthew 6, 19. He says, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now notice he doesn't say this. He doesn't say, don't store up treasure for yourself. 
He didn't say, now don't be selfish and store up treasure for yourself. He said, don't store up treasure for yourself here on earth. Don't store it for here on earth, because that's, that's just a really bad investment. If you're storing it for here on earth, the things of here on earth will fade away. But if you're storing it in heaven, doing the things for eternity that matter, showing the love of Jesus to people that don't know Jesus, making a kingdom impact, that's storing treasures far beyond the earth. That's storing treasures that will last into eternity. I want to be a smart investor. I want to invest in the thing that matters. Things that we will not lose. We will lose every single penny. We will lose every single possession. We will not lose the loving relationships and the love of Jesus that we share with people. That will live on forever. Don't store up here on earth. Store it forever. And you may say, uh, but I need money for retirement. Yes, I'm not saying don't invest in your retirement. Don't, don't, don't make bad investments, right? <laughs> invest, make sure you can live, but make sure that your investments, I don't want people like when I have my investments, I don't want people to say, man, he invested in this and it was only for his gain. Everything he did was just so he could do this in life. I want to be able to say, you know what? Everything I've invested in my life was just so I could pour out and share with people so that I could be with people. I could point people. I could love people. That's what I want my investment to be. I don't want my life to just be one big flashbang and then it's gone. I want it to be something that has a lasting impact for eternity. Now, one, one of my favorite holidays, my favorite holidays is the 4th of July. More so in Washington than in California because fireworks are legal here. And I love it. Now, when we first got here on the 4th of July, or not on the 4th of July, but our first 4th of July here, I was pointed to um, a firework area where you could buy fireworks that in California, I think it's a felony to own those things. But man, I, I told my wife, I was like, we're going to go to the fireworks stand and I'm going to buy fireworks. And she said, you realize you're going to be catching your money on fire, right? And I said, it's going to be worth it. This is going to be awesome. And when we went to that fireworks stand, I was a kid in a candy store. I was buying this and buying that. And I was just, I was going crazy looking at all these things. And then I found these, they, they, they're called cakes. I didn't know what a cake was before. But I saw cakes and one of them said, I'm kind of a big deal. And I was like, I'm kind of a big deal. I want that. So that, that's the one that I bought. And uh, the night of the fourth came, and we were out, we're doing sparklers, and we're lighting some things off, and then came the, the much bigger one, and we lit that thing off, and it was awesome. It was so fun. I, it was my first fourth of July lighting off fireworks, like the, the ones that you see at Disneyland, but they were right in our front yard. People were lighting these things off. It was incredible. And every fourth of July since, I've not been disappointed with what the people around us do. But we even got to the point where we were lighting so many off that we just stopped and looked up, because our whole neighborhood was lighting things off. And it was incredible. We didn't even use half of what we bought. We had so much fun. We're shooting things off. My wife is freaking out. The Roman candles give her an anxiety attack. <clears throat> but it was amazing. But there was boom, 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 right? And then when the fireworks were done, guess what? It was over. Then it was over. What did we have left? Garbage. <laughs> Lots of garbage. Picked it up. Everybody was saying, you know, clean up this. You know, we're going to our neighbor's yard, stuff that had fallen over into their yards. So we're cleaning everything up. And it was cool for a second, but that was it. And my wife said, she goes, man, that was a lot of money. And I said, yes, it was. Then I started wondering, was it worth it? I mean, it was cool, but, you know, it was, it was a lot of money. It was really cool to see for a second, though. It was cool to see in that moment, but then that was it. Then it was just a big mess. We're picking up trash all over. Neighbors are asking us, you know, can you pick up this? And we're asking them, can you help us pick up these things? And there's literally so many fireworks in our community that a street cleaner comes in the next day and cleans up everything. It's insane. But then once it's over, it's over. I think a lot of times in our life, we can live life with that same mentality. 
we just shoot off the fireworks. We're doing it all right now. And it looks impressive. It looks huge. But if we're doing it for the wrong reasons, what have we done? We got people's attention to look at all of our stuff. Look at all of our things. I am so awesome. And then we're gone. And that's it. Then we're gone. Just like the fireworks went up in smoke, life can go up in smoke. We can watch other people's lives go up in smoke if there's nothing eternal behind it. It's showy, it's flashy, it's cool, but then it's over. The question then becomes this, what's next? Was my life just one big exciting flash or is there something else now? Did that lead into something? Did I lay it all on the line so now I can stand before Jesus and say, God, just like what Paul said, I fought the fight, I ran the race, I laid it all on the line nothing to lose, everything to gain. And people can look at you and say, man, when, that, when, when you're gone, they can say, that person showed me Jesus. In my at my memorial service one day, I think I know what people would say. I really hope I know what people would say about me. You know, I don't want to be that guy where everyone gets up and goes, well, let me tell you what I really thought about Dustin, right? I think I know what people would say about me. But I think some of the best things anyone could ever say about me when they think about, tell us about Dustin, they would say this. He showed me the love of Jesus. He helped me get closer to Jesus than other, and I want to do that. I think that's the biggest compliment I could ever get in my life if someone says, you helped point me closer to Jesus. Or for someone who didn't know Jesus to say, you introduced me to Jesus. And then I, and then I believed him. I received Jesus. That's the best thing anyone could ever say to me. That's storing treasures in heaven. That is not storing things here temporary. That is living for the future. That is living for eternity and showing the love of Jesus. That requires me to do some things, though. It requires me to live passionately, to love completely, to learn humbly, and to leave boldly. I'd like to invite the worship team up as we get ready to close this morning. And I want to shoot that invite to anyone here. If there's anyone here in their life right now who has never received Jesus, who never said, you know what? I am living life for me right now. I'm going through the motions. I'm walking through all of this right now, and this is just my life. This is what I'm deciding to do, and my life is flashy, and it's fun, but it's all me-focused. I want to give you an opportunity right now to, to, to acknowledge there's, there's something so much bigger than that. There's someone so much bigger than that, and he laid it all on the line for you. If you're online today and you're, you're watching and, and that's you, there's a button where you can, you can click on it and pray with someone or just type in the comments that you want prayer. There's a God who loves you. A God who wants to be with you. A God who said, when you stand before me one day, we don't look at your sin. We look at Jesus who covered that sin, who wiped it out, and we get to be with him forever. Would you stand with me? <clears throat> let's, uh, let's continue. If, you're, if you've jumped on this, let's continue to take those steps. Don't stop. Don't, don't stop or wait. Don't wait to live your life if you have one month left to live. Do it now. Live life boldly. Leave boldly. Bring people along with you. Show people the love of Jesus everywhere you go. Don't wait to make the relationships priority. Do it now. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for today. I thank you for, for people here, God, who, uh, who have given their lives to you. And I pray you give us the, the strength and boldness to, to live for you with, with every breath, with every step. God, to leave nothing behind, to lay it all on the line, to live every month as if it were our last month to live. God, for people that don't know you, God, I, I pray that you, you, do a, you do a wonder in their hearts. God, you reveal yourselves to them. God, for, for people who maybe are making this decision right now to follow you, God, I, I celebrate that. 
I think it's the most, it's the most exciting and amazing decision they could ever make, God. And I pray that, that as they step into this new adventure with you, God, that we're able to partner alongside and show, show them that this wonderful life with you, not the easiest life, God, but the most fulfilling life ever. So God, I ask that you touch every person here. You bless people in, in churches all across the world today and people that don't know you, God, I pray you make yourself very real in their lives. We thank you, love you, and everybody said, amen.